Eureka Springs. It's a quaint Victorian village tucked away in the Ozark Mountains of northern Arkansas. On the surface, this little tourist town draws thousands of visitors to its little boutique shops and mom-and-pop restaurants. But the underbelly of this town is full of supernatural creatures the normal folk don't notice. I've been away for a couple years, and in that time, someone has started killing off the town's witches. The true consequences for this horrible series of crimes is that the town's magical energy that radiates from the springs below are getting out of control without a solid number of witches to keep it in balance. Werewolves are changing without the full moon, vampires are thirstier than ever before, gnomes are growing to twice their normal height, and I'm pretty sure last night I saw a miniature black hole appear in a back alley for a split second, sucking up all the trash cans. The nearby businesses were pretty mad. So I'm racing to find the culprit before they kill the last witches, and the town really gets unhinged. My name is Vincent Van Getty. By day, I'm a newspaper reporter for the Lovely County Record. By night, I'm a paranormal investigator, working to track down this killer. My only help is a box of ten cassette tapes that mysteriously showed up on my doorstep, each with a different clue. It's season two of Ozark Whispers, so if you're just getting started, go back and listen to season one first. These new episodes will be here when you get back. Well, folks, the end of the year is upon us, and that can only mean it's Christmas time again in Eureka Springs. Boy, does this town go out with lights and wreaths and trees, trees, trees. Some folks even decorate random trees on the side of the road. Talk about holiday cheer. As for myself, well, I'm apartment hunting, which isn't any fun to do before Christmas. Landlords are few and far in between a couple days before this holiday. Well, now, the next question in your minds, listeners, is why am I apartment hunting? Don't I have a totally sweet flat above Gina's restaurant? You're right, I did. Now I don't. And sadly, Gina doesn't have a restaurant anymore either. It's been an eventful few days, but I'm happy to say that at least I'm still alive. At least I still draw breath in these lungs. Allow me to go ahead and tell you about the last couple days and wind down season two of Ozark Whispers. I know these episodes have been spaced out quite a bit with no consistency for release. But I promise when we come back for Season 3, I'll remedy that. That's actually my New Year's resolution, is to get Season 3 to you with a regular release schedule. But before then, I need to find a new apartment, so I'm going to finish Season 2 now. Last week, I decided to listen to the final cassette tapes in that box that mysteriously showed up in my apartment. To my surprise, while there were 10 tapes total in the box, the final ones were blank. I'd only listened to about half of them so far, and by my final count, there was only one that had any audio left on it I hadn't listened to yet. I'll go ahead and play it for you now so you can hear my final warning. Hello, Vincent. Welcome to your final warning for me. I wanted to fill all these tapes, but I just didn't have the time. You'll understand when you figure out who I finally am. Esmeralda will make her move the night after you, Vincent. 
she'll return to the world of the living and seek revenge on you and the remaining witches in town. And since she's been dead, she'll be at full strength, returning without those binding handcuffs you slapped on her last time. That's the last warning I can give you, Vincent. Best of luck. With that, I closed the tape recorder and looked over at my calendar. What would allow Esmeralda to return from the dead? Upon looking closer at the calendar, I saw it was a full moon the night after Yule. A celestial event right after a powerful witch holiday, she'd have the power necessary to help return. But she'd need someone in the living world to help pull her back across the threshold. Given the limited amount of time I had, I figured it would be impossible to stop her from coming back. She probably has a pretty solid plan in place, and I don't have the time to waste. So I needed to focus on re-killing her once she did come back. A full-strength Esmeralda? There was no one in town that could match her. My aunt and her witch friends from Oregon? Esmeralda's stronger than all of them put together. I would need some bigger help, and I didn't have much time to find it. For the umpteenth time, I could really use Gina's help, but she wasn't coming out of hiding until Esmeralda was killed. And what could I say, I didn't blame her. Esmeralda is bad news, killing most of the witches in town. I called up Beth Forbes, our state ranger, to see if they could spare any help for dealing with Esmeralda. She didn't believe the warnings I received that the witch would be returning from the dead. So, until she was back in the world of the living, Esmeralda was my problem. You know, for an organization that specializes in protecting humans from supernatural threats, I noticed they're never available to protect me from any of those threats. It's getting annoying. Well, it seems the only thing I have going for me is I know when Esmeralda is coming. I know she'll be back on the night after Yule under the full moon. And I could spend the next couple days digging through my books, try to spring something dangerous on her, but you know what? I'm thinking the simpler the plan, the better this time. She wants me to die at her hands, so I'm obviously the best bait for any trap I'm going to hit her with. I say I pick a spot, sit tight, and wait for her to come to me. I either succeed and finally free myself from this weight that's been hanging over my head since I got back from the Palo world, or I fail and die myself. Either way, I'm just ready to get this over with. The next couple days went by slowly at the newspaper. I photographed our Christmas parade, put in a request for a raise with Rex with 2019 and was promptly denied, and generally panicked on the inside that I wasn't doing any more preparation for Esmeralda's resurrection. Why wasn't I doing any more preparation? Because my plan was so simple, there was nothing to do until she was in my face. That's why. Somehow, no matter how many times I explained this to my brain, it always managed to send a fresh shiver down my spine when I realized there really wasn't much to my plan. For Yule, my aunt and I celebrated with the other witches in town. The ones that weren't in hiding, at least. We had a large feast and music at the little house they'd rented. Sophie informed me that she and her friends needed to head back to Oregon soon, and I promised them they could go home the following night after I took care of Esmeralda. They insisted on being there with me to help, but I talked them down over the course of a very long 90 minutes. If Esmeralda killed me, Eureka Springs was next, and they needed to get out of Dodge if I bit the dust. If I failed, well, I had to hope the rangers would take Esmeralda's threat seriously and move into container. It probably wouldn't be before she blew up the town, but maybe they could save a piece of Arkansas. Who knows? The next night I sat in my flat drinking a beer. I figured I was either about to be free or destroyed. Either way, called for a drink. And after that drink, I set to work carving some basic runes of protection into my door to give Esmeralda the idea that I was putting up at least some defense instead of springing a trap on her. 
Next, I suspended my last bottle of Dragonfire above the door frame and rigged it so when she opened the door, it would pop the cork and rain down flames upon her. I got the feeling it wouldn't kill her, but then again, all I had to do was give her the idea that I was putting up my last defenses. The final piece of the puzzle was a little bowl with some Greek sage and other ingredients to the left of my recliner I'd set facing the door. I put a box of matches next to it. Then I sat down to pop open another beer and played the waiting game. Come on, Esmeralda. I only got one more beer after this, and I'm going to get cranky if you take too much longer. After I finished the second beer, I looked at my phone and saw it was about 10 p.m. She was definitely resurrected by now. I could feel it in my bones. And if my bones weren't enough of an indicator, the full moon outside flashing blood red for about 20 seconds sure was. A powerful spell had just been performed, and a vast amount of spiritual energy released. At long last, I heard someone walking up the steps to my flat door. Clouds began to build outside, and Suna was pouring hard. I saw a red light glowing from the cracks around my door. She was busy obliterating my little runes like they were nothing. Next, the door handle turned, and she called in. Oh, Vincent, she said. I hope you've got a better defense plan than that. Then Esmeralda opened the door, and the cork popped off the dragonfire bottle above. She looked up just to see a stream of pure red flames come down on her. When all the fire had drained from the bottle, Esmeralda stood there without a single hair singed on her head. I had to admit, she did appreciate the dragon fire and called it a nice touch. Then she asked where I got the idea to pin it above the doorframe. I confided in her that it came from Home Alone, one of my favorite movies this time of the year. She asked if that was my last trap, and I responded, Hang on a minute. Let me get the last one going. It was at that point I lit a match and dropped it into the bowl of various ingredients. They popped with a little silver light, and then nothing happened as I looked around the room. She asked what that was, and I sighed and told her it was my Hail Mary. Shame were the last words I heard from her lips before she was on me. She grabbed me by the throat and slammed me into the back wall. And afterwards, she began to tell me how she was going to kill me, piece by piece, and finally destroy my pathetic little home. A large thunderclap that shook the entire room, even Esmeralda jumped a little. I began to smile because it looked like my final trap had paid off. The recently resurrected witch asked why I was smiling, and when I told her to turn around, she did so, slowly. Standing behind her was one pissed off Zeus. Seems my summoning ritual had taken its sweet time. If he'd showed up a few seconds later, well, oof, I didn't want to think about it. Esmeralda gasped and then dropped me. I sank to my knees and said, She killed your daughter, pointing at her. The witch looked down at me in a panic and I smiled. Zeus stepped forward and told Esmeralda how he was going to kill her, piece by piece, and then drop her directly into Hades for her crimes against his offspring. His eyes began to glow a bluish-white color and... Then he said, Consider yourself a free man while looking directly at me as I ran to my fridge. I tore out the shelves in one fluid motion removed everything, and then jumped inside, slamming the door shut. The last thing I saw before I closed the door was a panicked Esmeralda, preparing some kind of spell to kill Zeus. Pity it wouldn't work. With the door shut, I yelled the magic word, and a locking mechanism kicked into place, some powerful runes activating all around the fridge. I couldn't afford a safe room, so I just modified my fridge with a few spells to become one. Zeus yelled, and then I heard Esmeralda screaming some kind of spell, but it didn't matter. She was too slow. I assumed from the inside of my dark fridge that Zeus called down a large lightning bolt, 
It was so large the entire town lost power, and my fridge was sent tumbling out of the apartment. I was shaken around inside like a rag doll, but eventually, my fridge came to a stop crashing down in the middle of something. As I groaned the release word, the door slowly creaked open, and I crawled out into the woods a little bit outside of town. I'd shattered a few trees on my descent. Looked like a freaking asteroid hit the ground, let me tell you. I also might have cracked a couple ribs, but hey, I was alive. It took me about an hour to limp back through the woods to my home, or what was left of it. Firefighters were there before me, but to be honest, there wasn't much left to put out. My loft and Gina's restaurant had been obliterated. A couple walls were still standing, but that's about it. It dawned on me that I was truly homeless now. All the books, antique magical items, and occult collections that I had were destroyed. Years of archiving down the drain. But hey, on the bright side, Esmeralda was nowhere to be seen. I smiled, knowing at least I was still alive and this nightmare was over. House hunting was something I could do later, but I could do it because, hey, I'm still breathing. The next day, Gina finally came back into town. We hugged, and then she slapped me for destroying her restaurant. I had it coming, I guess. Sophie and her friends finally got to return home to Oregon, and the few remaining Eureka Springs witches were now safe. And moments before I recorded this episode, I finally got to figure out who had recorded those tapes sent to me. The recorder sent me a postcard explaining the whole thing. Turns out it was the amnesiac time traveler I'd asked Kronos to return to his home time. While there, he'd recovered, and then, to Kronos's, uh, let's say, anger, the time traveler had started moving about again. Kronos would have killed him if he filled me in on the future too directly, so he decided to record those tapes as clues, sort of a loophole, if you will, after seeing a future in a world where Esmeralda had killed me. And I smiled, knowing that those tapes had paid off. Esmeralda was dead, and the witches could finally get this town's magical energy under control without her threat looming over them. Not only that, I was finally off Zeus's crap list. Those things together were a good enough Christmas gift for me. And I hope the season finale is a good enough Christmas gift for you. It's going to take a while to get season 3 going. I wouldn't expect it until February, the earliest listeners. i got to find a new home, set up a spot to record and such. So please be patient, and happy holidays. Oh, and if there's anything I hope you learned from season 2, it's don't ever anger a powerful witch. And if you do... Make sure you don't let her escape and come back to seek revenge. At best, you'll end up homeless. At worst, you'll end up dead. Background music for the Ozark Whispers podcast was provided by Incompitech.com. The podcast theme was produced by Matt Friend. The following people provided sound effects for this episode. Ben Bocan, Inspector J, and Blue Delta.